Alright guys, so this is the third episode of the Detroit Chopra Podcast. And I gotta say that third time's a charm because I have somebody who I am so proud and happy to have. Uh, he's a guy that has three last names for a first name and a middle name and a last name. So you know when a guy has a name like that, it is definitely, definitely has some power behind it. Uh, I'm not going to do too much introductions because this guy's story is so amazing and I'm so honored to have him here. So without further ado, we're going to introduce Lewis Raymond Taylor and we're going to get to talking, man. How's it going? Very good. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. Really appreciate it. And it's, uh, yeah, it's always good to connect in with the story and sort of what's brought me to live in this life, you know, and I, you know, very, very, uh, grateful to be able to share it with you guys no man it's amazing i'm actually happy to have you in my home this is the first podcast that i did in the crib so i got my mm. my coconuts as usual mm -hmm. and, uh, that's my that's my thing <laughs> is that the coconuts but uh no man yeah so uh we'll hop right into it because <clears throat> because uh we just met like what a week ago yeah maybe a week ago uh we met at the gym we met at a body factory here in bali we both live in bali and uh you know, we just were chit-chatting in the sauna. He has some cool tattoos. We got to get through this in a second because these tattoos, man, it's... <laughs> some strange ones. <laughs> this guy is tatted up. But, uh, yeah, we got to talking and you... It's, it's, it's so amazing to meet somebody and you just feel their energy. You feel their vibe. You know, mm. out here in Bali, all we talk about is, oh, you got such good vibes and mm. good energy. And then you talk about people's traumas and <laughs> you know all this about a person before you even know yeah, their last name. Yeah. And uh, one thing that I identify with you is that you just have this, this genuineness to you, man. And you told me a little bit of your story that first day, but I want you to kind of tell the people how you made mm. your way here to Bali and at this table. Mm. Definitely. First of all, I just want to sort of like just, just add to what you said about us knowing each other for a week because it's so you know true when you say that you know people have got good energy and it, it basically allows you to facilitate like a friendship that would usually take you years and like a week like within a week yeah we've met up a few times we've eaten together i'm at your place within a podcast we've we've spoken business before and it's like you wouldn't usually be able to sort of foster those relationships in that short period of time but because everybody's so open and receptive and at sort of peace for themselves they can actually connect on a real level you know first conversation we had and we're like let me tell you what it was like when i was growing up man <laughs> that's so true yeah everybody that is the best way to put it everybody is i think people come here to bali bali attracts a certain kind of person mm -hmm. i mean sometimes people come here to party and, mm -hmm. and you know be 23 years old mm -hmm. But other times, I love that people come with intention, whether it's to start a business, to become a digital nomad, or to heal themselves. It's always something, mm -hmm. something really good. Well, I don't meet those those young sort of party like people because they're on a different different environment, different trajectory, different conversation wavelength, energy flow. I don't know what's going on, but they, I don't see them. So everyone I speak to is like a coach, or you know, they're doing breath work, or it's like there's just another version of me. And you know, I must be putting myself in those situations. But yeah, you know, you put out your vibe and you attract your tribe. They say. And I think that, you know, you'll always resonate with the people that are similar to you. So, you know, if you come here for party, that's all you'll see and that's all you'll know and that's cool. But if you also come here for learning about yourself and, you know, starting a business or whatever it might be, you'll find those people too. So it's really cool like that. You will. So speaking of 23, you were 23 at one point in your life. <laughs> yeah, I was. <laughs> Tell us about this younger years, man. I mean, yeah. whatever you want to share. I don't yeah. know if you want to get oh, right into it. But I'll get right into it. Yeah. Yeah. So... Well, 23, it started before that. Let's go right back to when I was four. <laughs> no, but when I was a lot younger, um, I can, you know, I can remember always wanting attention, you know, from my dad. He was, he was an alcoholic. He'd put me down. And 
he would actually say things like you're a buffoon you never amount to anything like literally the exact words that a lot of people fear hearing from anybody like those were the exact words i'd get and i didn't at the time internalize it as you know something about myself i just thought you know that's just the way the world works that's just how parenting's done i didn't really think about it too much but I was just absorbing these messages, you know, and I, and I was using it to form, you know, meaning about, you know, how I should conduct myself, what my behavior is like. And it's, you know, on reflection, it, it must have made a huge impact on me. But at the time, I just lived my life and that was just normal. Um, but yeah, I had this like huge desire for attention and I would literally go out committing crime at like 13 years old. This was a little bit later on in my life just for the purposes of getting in trouble. I was deliberately causing trouble. And I was like smashing bus stop windows or, you know, lighting fires or shoplifting. I had no intention of actually like, I had no desire to light a fire, but I was sort of wanting to get in trouble. And in later life, I've identified that it was from the attention. It was also the need to feel significant. You know, it was also, you know, just many other things of, of just basically holding an identity of someone that was bad. Because if you constantly get this message that you're, you know, bad, naughty not good enough you know you're gonna unloved. exactly unloved um you're just gonna fulfill that prophecy over and over again and it was sort of my identity and i thought well if i'm bad i may as well do bad things because that's the kind of person i am and i didn't consciously think of that but yeah. it's just like you know if someone's bad they do bad things and i didn't realize the power of identity so yeah my life was was difficult to say the least you know i used to get so sort of angry at myself that was my thing you know my dad was angry towards me and he would be violent towards me sometimes, but I could never show that back to him because I was just scared and I just wouldn't want to do that to him. You know, he, he would like, you know, pin me down. And this wasn't often, this happened every now and again, and he might, he might hit me. And I think I could never hit you back, you know, because I love you. I can't hit you because I love you. But then, oh, but you, you can hit me. So maybe you don't love me. Wow. You know, so this just starts this like unlovable, bad, not good enough type mindset. And that's what caused all those troubles. You know, I used to like run to my room probably when I was about seven or eight years old and punch myself in the head. Yo, wait, hold on. Yeah. You gotta stop there because, yeah. so this started from as long as you can remember from when you were four years old. Well, I thought it was a bit of a, jo <laughs> a, bit of a joke going that way back, but yeah, it was probably like really seven, seven, eight yeah, years old. Because I'm right now, uh, I'm really deep into subconscious reprogramming mm -hmm. because I've had some things from when I was younger that I'm working through because you know we get to this age and you get to the moments where you're just blocked and it's like why am I blocked mm. I know I consciously want to do it but I'm learning that the conscious mind is only five percent of your mind so you can read books you can you do self-help stuff you can do all these things but they don't stick mm. because the subconscious is where it's 95 percent of everything and that's what we call like the habit mind or the reactive mind um, and so sometimes things can be subconsciously in there, like you said, and then you're looking for the significance, looking mm -hmm. for the love. And from the ages of like birth to seven, that's when we're in the theta brain state. So those things are imprinted on you, man. How did you, how did those manifest as you got older? And then how did you break that? Like mm -hmm. this is... Well, yeah, it was about, I guess, seven or eight. I was just really angry with myself, you know, very angry at the situation, thinking it was my fault because I was the one that was bad. Like every time I'd have an argument with my dad, I, was, I thought it was my fault because I was the bad one, you know. Um, then sort of growing up more, I think probably from the age of about 11, but more so around 13, I'd get arrested. Um, I also had an antisocial behavior order, like an ASBO. I don't know if you've, you know, that in the UK. Okay, so it's like a... It's like a young person's like restriction order. You can't go to certain places. You can't be out after a certain time. And this was at like a really young age. Um, I was expelled from school. 
Um, and by the time I was 18 years old, I was in a young offenders institution. Um, and that was, you know, I, you know I, do, I, I was doing all sorts of things by that point. You know, I was taking drugs, I was drinking. Um, I was, you know, driving around in stolen cars. At 13? No, at 18. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, this I mean, progressed from better. that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it progressed at that point. You know, it started off with like the shoplifting, setting fires, like a lot of criminal damage. Like I'd smash a lot of windows. For Lewis, some... You were a whole criminal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, let's go. Everybody start somewhere. <laughs> yeah, complete criminal. Um, and yeah, 18 years old, I went in this young offenders institution and that was probably one of the worst things they could have done because I came out of that and I thought, oh, wow, you've just given me the worst punishment that I can. I've also been around other people that I kind of related to in a way. And I saw that, that you know, you know, the sort of lives they were living and I started to almost like aspire to it in some way. There was this like sabotaging behavior within me that was almost like, I got a quite a lot of sense of relief sabotaging things because of all the, you know, all the feelings that are within inside. It gives you a little bit of power. Mm. You can, it, it, wherever you can find power, mm. even if it's at the, at the, at the cost of yourself a lot of times. 100%, you know, and I got, I got that because I was selling drugs at one point and I got a bit of power through that, you know, a little yeah. bit of reputation, a little bit of significance. Yeah. Um, I um, was fighting. I, I, didn't, I didn't throw my first real punch until I was 18 years old. Up, up until that point, I'd been jumped a few times in school. My dad had hit me about, but I never really fought back. And then there was this one time when I was 18 years old, I just sort of saw my fist just come up and punch someone. Yo. And after that, I was like, oh, I feel good, I feel good. And I used to look for fights after that. Like, so I went from crime to violence mm -hmm. to drugs. Yeah. And where did that end you? Just more of that, more of that <laughs> stuff, you know. Um, I've been to prison three different times, some for quite violent offences, you know. I'd just be very angry at people and I'd be looking for an excuse to take it out, you know. It wasn't like I was going around, you know, attacking people for no reason. But if, you, if I was out and I was drunk or taking cocaine and someone gave me an excuse, I would be like, okay, there's, there's my excuse, you know, to take this anger out. Because I was angry at myself. I was angry at the world for why I felt the way I did. You know, I was blaming everything and everyone around me for why my life was so difficult and why I felt that way. But never in a million years did I think, you know, that maybe I was responsible for the way that I felt and the, and the, and the life that I had and the person I was. Just blaming wow. anger you, outside of myself. So were you, did you consider yourself the victim? Or no. looking back, what did you consider yourself? That was, that, was, that was part of my problem. I think you have to take a certain element of responsibility and self-identification to be able to see what the issues are within you so you can fix them. For me, I was just angry at everybody else, you know. Yeah. I was angry with myself as well, but I wasn't seeing myself as a victim. I was just more, just like, restless, irritable, discontent with everything and just annoyed that all these things had happened. And um, yeah, just decided to take it out on everybody else because anger is much easier to express if you're pushing it away, you know, if you're, if you're yeah. passing it on to somebody else, like, I'm angry and I'm not gonna do anything about, to fix it, so instead I'm just gonna push it onto you. Yeah, pain is past, like we pass pain, and even, we pass pain in so many ways, really huge, significant ways from fighting and, and, and violence, to even if you're having like a lot of internal pain, you'll call your friend and just put it on them. Mm. And then they sometimes have to like take your pain and then when you keep doing that cycle, you're just like, okay, you mm. need to start the healing journey. Mm -hmm. So where, I mean, okay, now you're so self-aware mm -hmm. uh, as you sit here and it just seems like you're just so at peace, your energy is great. What was the turning point? What was the point where you decided this was the end of it, end of this trail? So I was, um Standing in a taxi queue in Watford, so that's London where I'm from, okay. and um, 
it was at the end of the night and I was drunk and I had accidentally jumped a taxi queue. I didn't realize I had, but there was this long taxi queue and I just went straight to the front. And I genuinely didn't, from what I can remember, I didn't realize, but anyway. And this guy started shouting in my face. And you know, this isn't as an excuse, but this is just to explain where my head was at and also explain sometimes why people react in a, in a difficult way. Um, not in a difficult way, but in a way that you know, isn't obviously the best uh, way to approach things. Because there's so much going on for people that other people don't, you know, aren't aware of. But when I think back to this scenario that I'm about to explain to you, all I see is my dad shouting in my face, my actual dad's face. Like, that's the memory I have. I don't even know what the guy actually looked like because that's how what, how I see it. And he must have triggered me. So that guy got all yeah, all, yeah, yeah, a life's worth of <laughs> yeah. anger. Yeah. Woo! What happened? So I, I punched him, and. Um, Unfortunately, he, he hit his head on the ground and, you know, he was completely unconscious and I looked at him and there was this like slow, dark trickle of blood coming out of his head and I thought I've killed him, like literally. So I, I stood there, I literally was like, I waited, I put my coat over him because I was like, this is, you know, this isn't one you run away from, like I've got, I've got to face this. Every, all the police come, they locked me in the back of the car, they, you know, the ambulance came round and um, he was in a coma for three days and he had a like brain hemorrhage and um, I was sentenced to prison straight away for 18 months for GBH which is like you know very serious assault um, and this wasn't my first time that I've been sentenced to GBH like I've done before I just I realized that I was hurting other people but it was so obvious but you know it was it was just like a wake-up call like fuck this has gone way too far now you know this guy didn't deserve it admittedly he'd probably shouting in my face but he didn't deserve that and, and um, I went to prison. I would have got three years, but because I pleaded guilty at the scene, I held my hands up, waited for the police. They like locked it down to 18 months. And um, I, went, I went to prison and as cliche as it was, um, I rung up some of my, what, one of my friends and I sort of said, you know, what people are saying about me on social media? Because, you know, it's interested to know what's <laughs> going on, what their gossip is, yeah, like. like what, am I, am I uh, going viral? Yeah, well, not in that way, but like, no, but like, what, you know, what's being said because you just don't know. And um, I was on the front page of the paper, violent, uh, violent and boorish on one paper, another magazine that was like, um, paralytic man gets jailed for Q rage. And like in this like article from like the judge and these reporters, they're saying like I was a troubled guy. Um, I'd had lots of, you know, back, you know, lots of previous convictions. At this point, I'd had 19 convictions. You know, I'd been and to prison were, a few times. And you were only 25 at this point? 24, yeah. 24. So you did time, and what was, really quickly, the, I guess, what was the, the prison like? What, yeah. Like, what was that, what was those 18 months yeah. like for you? So just, just to quickly answer the question you said a minute ago about what was the realisation now, because I rung, rung my friend up and he said, what's saying about me? He said, tell me it's on the front page. And I said, well, okay, because it wasn't the first time I'd been on, in the paper for something like that. So, okay, well, you know, cool. And then he said, oh, but there's a picture of you outside the courtroom when you were sentenced. Like my friend had posted a picture of me outside the courtroom, but he'd posted another picture of me seven years before outside the exact same courtroom with the same court number. And he posted a picture and said, nothing changes. And I was like, oh shit. I was like seven years in the same courtroom. And I was like, fuck, he's, he's right, nothing has changed. I was doing the same things over and over again, expecting a different result, blaming in everything and everyone around me for why my life was so difficult. And although I tried to make a couple of steps forward, like I wasn't like, you know, I was a drug addict, I was an alcoholic, I was fighting, I was violent, but actually I wanted more for myself the whole way along. 
and I'd make steps and then I'd just take five steps backwards. And I realized nothing did change. And it was in that moment where I realized that I needed to change. So obvious, but I needed to change because I'd tried to change things around me, you know, and do things differently, but I never thought, oh, maybe I could change. And I accepted responsibility for myself. And I realized that if I wanted my life to change, I needed to work on myself. And luckily, because I'm so uh, obsessive, you know, with the addiction and everything that comes with that sort of mindset and mentality, I latched on to like changing my identity and who I was and personal development and just obsessively like got into a good routine, read loads of books, started going to the rehabilitation uh, for Addicted Prisoners Trust in there, which is like this rehab program. I did AA meetings, I did maths and English education. I started off at like level one and level two, which is like the equivalent of a 10 year old because I, I left, I got expelled from school at 15 with no qualifications at all. And um, used prison to my advantage. And actually, at that point, it was probably one of the most peaceful places I've ever been. Because the doors were locked, you know, there was no pressure and like to, to be somebody or do something, but just to develop myself, you know? Was it, was it kind of like Bali? In a way, in a way, you know, because like in, in the normal hustle and bustle of everyday life, like everyone wants you to be somebody, including yourself, and there's this pressure. But when the doors are locked and that time's ticking, like there's nothing you can do. So there's this like, okay, so I'm just at myself with myself now. So like, who do I want to be? What do I want to learn? You know, and that's that's all that you need to worry about. So prison was was good for me. You know, obviously when I was in the young offenders institution, <laughs> it's very different. Um, you know, people want to make make a name for themselves, and it can be quite a dangerous place to live. But at the same time, there's also people that want to get their head down and do their sentences. And if you use prison as a rehabilitation to your advantage, it was probably the most growth that I've ever had in my life. I can imagine that. I, I, you know, I've never been to prison, <laughs> but, you know, a lot of times we put our own selves in our own prisons. We knock mm. ourselves into lives and lifestyles that, that are totally against the, our heart and our minds. Mm. And, when you have that resistance, when you when you're not harmonious in your heart and your mind, you just you clearly understand what it's going through. So I'm on the end of I'm almost at the end of my year of, mm. of traveling and finding myself. So what happened to you at the end of this sentence? Like, mm. was, well, how are you, this Lewis that's yeah. in front of me today, man? So. When I was doing this maths and English level one and level two, it was like really basic stuff, like, you know, 10 year old stuff. But okay. to me, I was like, when I, when I first went in, I was crossing my arms up, screwing the paper up, saying I'm not doing this shit, even though I was the one that like, signed up for it. Um, and I was just this little angry child, really. And um, I, once this tutor, she sat down next to me, little old lady called Susie, and she just looked at me and she said, Lewis, what's the matter? And no one had ever actually asked me that before. And I just blurted out, I don't understand. So I just don't understand. And I was like, oh shit. So that's why I'm angry. I just haven't really allowed myself to like understand this and ask questions and things like that. And um, she, she supported me basically. And I went away and, um, and, and started doing this, these maths and English qualifications and then I passed them and I was like, fuck, okay. So there's the first bit of like results and progression I'd seen in my life. So I, said to her just like casually do you think I could ever go to like university like college and she said to me with the most clarity and conviction that I've ever seen in my life of course you can and like I believed her like I was like fuck like, I don't think anyone ever believed in me like that before including myself and sometimes you just need somebody to believe in you before you can believe in yourself like you just l need those words just someone go shit I hope you sent Susie some flowers cause yeah that's, yeah that is, that's major man oh yeah it's a breakthrough. So that was my goal. I wanted to go to university, but I realized that 
I, I still had a lot of work to do. So I signed up for this six months fully intensive rehabilitation treatment center after prison. Mm -hmm. So I got escorted from the gates of prison. I asked them to pick me up because I didn't want to like slip back into old life. And I just finished my sentence, but I was like, I'm not done yet. I'm, I'm not ready. So I got taken to the rehab and I did six months in there and started from the very bottom. Like, I mean, I went on welfare after rehab. I was doing drug and alcohol meetings, you know, in church halls at 25 years old. You know, I was volunteering, you know, I was, had a push bike, I was cycling, you know, to like places because I didn't obviously have a car. And I was just, I started my whole life again. Are you from Detroit? Because you sound <laughs> like half the people I know from the east side of Detroit. Wow, man. So, yo, that is, that's interesting. And especially to do all that before 25, you mm -hmm. know, you're, you're making yourself you're I, I really love seeing especially being out here in body I love seeing people create themselves mm. it's the most interesting thing to me because you don't have to be what you were like you can be whoever you want you can change your name you can change your hair uh, you can change your location but I think it's more important to evolve mm. and that's what it seemed like you did like you evolved well in essentially I'll tell you what I did do first I broke down who I currently was yeah. and I stripped myself back and I was just this raw shell and it was quite confusing at times mm -hmm. like I didn't know who I was what I liked you know and I was a bit like an empty shell for a while and it was quite difficult and it was easier to go back to what I knew and that's what most people do it's like a, when they, they use the analogy of like an elastic band when you change like you start to feel this resistance like you've got an elastic band around your stomach and it's so easy just to be snapped back to where you come from because that's what's comfortable mm -hmm. but as you continue to stretch that elastic band and move forward eventually it breaks and then you start to discover who you're supposed to be rather than going back to who you were before. And that's what it was. Like, I felt like, who the hell am I? Like, I am this, like, drunk, aggressive criminal. Like, that's me. Am I selling myself out? And it took a while to sort of, like, realise that wasn't me, but then I had to find out who I was. So, yeah, it was a, it was a journey. <laughs> I, like, Lewis, like, as you talk, I'm getting goosebumps because the same thing. I, I was 37 last year. I didn't know who I was. Mm. And I was hosting a travel show mm -hmm. and when the camera came on I'm like I don't know who I am mm -hmm. and it it was a little bit different because the things that I did that were negative or toxic they were kind of done in the dark mm -hmm. um, I wasn't on the front of the newspapers mm -hmm. but I knew it yeah. and I didn't have the self-love so I was projecting this persona that people liked and was successful but I didn't know who I was behind that. Mm. Uh, so I can totally, totally relate, man. I could totally, and that's what these journeys are about. So, okay, so where are we now? Cause I love, <laughs> I love this part of the story. I think you were telling me, I, don't, I know you might have some more to tell, but I think you started uh, coaching people. Is that what? Kind of, happened? yeah. I mean, when, when that yeah. So when, <laughs> when, that, when Susie, you know, believed in me, I was like, okay, so I see the power of believing in somebody else and allow them to believe in themselves. Yeah. So when Susie believed in me and it allowed me to believe in myself, I saw the power in that. And I was like, wow, okay. Just what a little bit of belief in somebody else can create like huge impact, you know, in that ripple effect later on down through their life. Um, and I was also doing these drug and alcohol meetings and I was seeing like heroin addicts and homeless people like transform their lives and start to be happy and build businesses and stuff like I was like hang on a minute like this stuff's powerful and what is this all really about this is this is about sitting in a room this is about talking to one another this is about like supporting one another understanding where people are at and I was like it's this sense of community and you know understanding people and being able to share what's going on for you in this safe and secure environment that was really what allowed me to progress and evolve like you said so I wanted to create something similar to that um, 
but every time I was, you know, mentioned it to people, people wasn't really interested because you know they wasn't necessarily looking for that that help and hadn't had that epiphany that I'd had that it was something that can change your life. How can you change a heroin addict? Like that's yeah, yeah. like <laughs> the hardest thing in the world. So well, if they're ready, powers. yeah, if they're ready, for, if they're ready for it, they will. But if they're not, you know, it's very difficult if they don't believe that it's possible for them. Yeah. So. No one was interested, so I said, I'll tell you what I'll do then is I'll meet up with you, I'll coach you one-on-one, I'll give you some help. Oh, I didn't say coaching, actually, because at the time I didn't know what coaching was. Yeah. I just said, I'll meet up with you for a coffee and I'll help you. And then after you know, a period of time, if you can see that this has been helpful and this has like, changed your life, because I know it can, because I've done it myself, then come and join my community. And then I started doing it and I started getting people these transformational results and then they started telling other people about it. And then it was like, oh, I was like, oh okay, hang on a minute, what am I doing here? Googled it and I was a coach. And I was like, okay. So I went back and I learned the, you know, the qualifications and started to learn actual the tools and techniques and frameworks to be able to, you know, do it better using my real life sort of experience as well as, you know, the power of coaching. And started a business as a, as a coach. And yeah, within eight months, I, you know, built a six figure income. I was able to do it. What? Yeah. Eight months to yeah. six figures? Yeah. Okay, we're going to talk about money later. Continue. Okay. And um, yeah, that blew my mind. And actually, I just thought that, you know, I was very lucky to come across a great industry where that was possible. But what I didn't realize after, actually, is that at this time, you know, this was like five years ago now, online coaching wasn't a normal thing. But I was, you know, as I'm young millennial, it made sense for me not to do it one-on-one -on -one anymore in the coffee shops. It made sense for me to reach the entire world. So I started, you know, putting my story out on social media. I started helping people via messenger, you know, just reaching out to people and seeing if I could help them. I started putting out content and just connecting with people. And then I just started getting more clients from all over the world. Like I was like, oh my God, I got a, a client in Australia on the other side of the world. Wow, cracked it. it. Blows your mind. Yeah. And, and at that point I was like, wow, I've, I've built this good business now. I'm coaching. And then I thought, oh, I didn't actually fulfill my original goal, which is to create that community. But I was like, oh, but now I've learned how to do this stuff online. So I created an online community. And, you know, again, within like a year, built that to 7,000 people um, from all over the world that were all like helping one another. There wasn't really like a tangible business on the back end of it at that point, but it was just more allowing people to develop themselves, improve an area of their lives, connecting with other people. And then I actually did create a group coaching and accountability program off the back of that, as well as a membership area. And yeah, and we had like paying monthly subscribers from that business. And yeah, like then it evolved because I had all these coaches coming up to me and saying, Lewis, like, I'm sure you was in prison a year ago. What the, how have you done this? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like eight months, because I want to, I want to, I do want to tackle uh, or talk, touch on community. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you have that sense of, of community. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorite quotes that, one of my newest favorite quotes is by this guy named Ram Das, And it says, to the extent I free myself, I can help others to be free. You work on yourself as an act of compassion. Mm. Our, our tagline, mm -hmm. you know, our, no, sorry, our mission statement is we provide ordinary people with extraordinary tools to create freedom for themselves and others. And that's Ooh. very, very similar for that Ooh. because coaching, it creates freedom in the way that you think, freedom in the way that you feel. It also allows you to create an online freedom-based business where you can travel, where you've got freedom to you know, be who you want, do what you want without you know, the constraints of employment and the, the capped income. So you've got complete and utter financial, location, mindset, emotional freedom, but then also you coach people and you give that to them as well. So it's like the perfect opportunity. Coaching, in my opinion, is the best opportunity in the world. Lewis, I, and let me tell you something. I had never heard of 
a coach before. Like I kind of heard of it. Like let's say for instance, I knew about Tony Robbins, mm -hmm. and it's these big events, this big six foot nine guy yeah, yeah. with hands the size of yeah. surfboard, positivity, rah 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 sort of stuff. And you know, you kind of look at it like, oh, okay, this is like a show. It, it, it didn't seem, it didn't seem like a show because at at that point, I hadn't gone through a point in my life where. I even knew about a coach so you don't see like we talked about reticular activating system mm. you don't see what you don't mm. necessarily need mm -hmm. but moving out here to bali every not everybody's a coach mm -hmm. but there are quite a few coaches mm -hmm. uh, and every part but you also learn like you do with your tribe with your community that you're not alone because mm. when i was going through my darkest days i felt so alone man i felt I felt as if I was the only one that could get through this. Mm -hmm. And then I started finding people on YouTube that were talking about the things that I needed to hear. And I was like, wow, this guy really gets me. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, in a sense, that was a coach. Or I might read a book. I'm like, this book was literally written for me. Mm -hmm. And you have moments like that. So I can imagine as a coach to give somebody that ability to just feel seen mm -hmm. just to be understood yeah. it's I, I know it's like better than any drug you ever tried exactly any, any all of them all of the drugs or uh no, not quite all of them man. <laughs> i haven't done heroin yet i'm saving that one for when i'm about 80. right <laughs> i said i was gonna try like every drug before i'm like when i'm old yeah like, why, why not, not? yeah <laughs> anyway <laughs> But yeah, it's an amazing feeling. Like at that point, I'd never experienced fulfillment. I didn't even know what that emotion was. In fact, I didn't know what any emotion was. You know, when I was sitting in rehabilitation, we would all sit in a, in a circle with our arms crossed and they would actually give us a piece of paper and say, point, point what emotion you're feeling. Because we couldn't do it. All we could say is, I'm all right. I'm all right, or I'm hungry. That was as close as we could get. Because we were so like emotionally bankrupt from all the like life of chaos that we'd had. That fulfillment to me was like one that I didn't even, didn't even know what it was, I didn't even know what it meant, let alone how it felt. And when I actually started to help people and contribute and make a difference and get this like feedback from people that I'd helped change their life, I was like, hmm, oh, that feels is this nice. Emotion? This is warm. Is this? this is, ah, yeah. <laughs> what is this? I got feelings. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, you, you, you start to chase it in a sense because, you know, you, it's, a, it's a positive experience, you know. And I would have always had this desire for attention and for significance. Mm -hmm. I was focusing it in the wrong areas, you know. I was going out and smashing windows when actually I could have got something far more um, powerful and also more beneficial to the world by just simply helping people. So obvious. But if you, if you don't have that epiphany, then you know, you're, you're never going to be able to do it. And, and also there's so much that comes with it. You know, the more value you add to people's lives, the more money you earn as well. So like so it's many people crazy. are yeah. people focused don't on money. People understand that, um, and I had to learn this over this period, is that money is literally energy. Mm. And the more, it's, it's so many things that happen when you become an entrepreneur uh, like yourself. It reveals so much about you and everybody that you help reveals so much about you. So you're adding value to other people's lives, but you'll be getting like 1% better mm. every single time, every single conversation, every single video you make, every single podcast you do, mm -hmm. every time you're getting this 1% better and you're just like, oh, okay, I'm evolving. I'm, mm. I'm growing, man. And that's, it's so beautiful to see. And uh, so, you know, I'm looking at this coach in life. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, Detroit Chopra. <laughs> is getting into it and I want to I want to talk about it because I can imagine some of my viewers are like a coach because that's how mm. if you'd asked me three months ago I'm like a coach yeah you know 
why do people need a coach? And you've had so much experience with this because it, it's still, for me, even as somebody who's finally getting mm -hmm. into it, I've never had a coach. I mean, I had a track coach uh, mm -hmm. in high school, but I've never had a coach. I mm -hmm. had to coach myself through my journey. Why do people need a coach? It's good that you mentioned the track coach because they, I don't know why they're called coaches because they technically don't coach people. The actual power of coaching is about asking challenging and thought-provoking questions that allows the client to uncover the answers for themselves. Whereas like a track coach, for example, might be just telling people what to do. Run faster, you know, like pull your leg, you know, whatever they do, I don't know. They're telling you what to do, you know, they're giving you advice. And that's actually more of a consultant or a mentor or a teacher. A coach is someone that extracts the potential and the value that you've got within you. The problem is we're used to thinking through the path of least resistance, that we think in the same things over and over again. We've got our own beliefs and values and you know, opinions of how the world works because that's what's been fed to us. And we can't see an alternative because we've got these blind spots. It's only when somebody else from a different perspective and a different skill set is able to actually ask the questions that allow you to access a different part of your mind. You know, something so powerful, like let me give you the most basic but the most powerful coaching question I believe there is and that is what do you want and it's so simple but yet I tell you what there'll be so many people listening to this right now that have never asked themselves that question because they're so used to fixating on what they think they need or should do or ought to or what everybody else wants from them that they've never actually thought well if I don't look at that information that's my default what would I actually want but when somebody asks you you go hmm Shit, what do I want? And most of them will say, I don't know. I was sitting here thinking myself, like, what? I, I mean, I know now, but yeah. you asked me a couple months ago, and I'm like, what? But most people will turn around and say, oh, I want a career. I go, do you? Mm. Or, no, but what do you want? Because they're like, and then when you say that and you emphasize the you, they're like, oh, okay. Or you could say, who gave you that? And they say, well, you know, my dad always used to tell me that you've got to be, got to get a career, got to get, you know, got to work in a job, got to be successful. So, okay, you know, what do you want? You know, and then they'll say, oh, I want, you know, stability and oh, I want money. But then that's need. You know, I think that you need those things to survive. Now, what do you want? I'm and it's like, triggered. yeah, <laughs> every time you ask, I get a little triggered. Yeah. Like, Hold on now. Yeah, <laughs> there's just there's, I mean, these are just simple, simple questions, but there's some real deep ones. But when people start uncovering those answers, they get these empowered breakthroughs where they have the realization and the sense of, um, identification with the solution because if you tell somebody you need to travel you need to start a business they're gonna go you know no thanks but if you go what do you want and they go I just want to be free and then you go how could you create that freedom and they go traveling yeah traveling that's what I want to do they're gonna go out and do it you know so the, the sense of ownership over the realization is so important and that's where questioning can get to you know, because everyone's telling other people what to do, it doesn't mean they're going to do it. It's when you decide and you make a choice. Choices and decisions are the most like, powerful things you can ever do. And you only get them from a sense of self rather than from a place of being taught. And that's why coaching is powerful. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, podcast is over. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Man, no, that's so powerful. And it, it's, you know, I hope that everybody's listening is really thinking about what do they want. Um, because I mean, as I go on this journey myself, as and meeting you, I tell I tell all of my friends, I even tell housemates, everybody, I'm like, I met this guy. His name is Louis Raymond Taylor. He got three last names for a first name, and he's like so cool. And I was like, 
I can't believe somebody's as nice. I was like, is it weird that you be somebody's <laughs> nice? I, I was like, what's going on here? And, but you for me were, was a sign that I could do this. Mm. It was like literally the universe saying, Elton, stop, I'm not gonna tell you again mm. because so many people have been asking me for coaching advice. Mm. They slide in my DMs, they send me messages, they send me emails and you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm just making content for myself because to that quote I mentioned earlier, I do feel like I was able to free myself and I want people not to feel alone. Like I know that alone feeling man, that, that, oof, that solitary confinement when I was solitary confined, but I was still living in mm. the free world. But I just, my, my real self was confined way deep down to a place where I didn't even want to let that version of Elton mm. know. Um, so as I go on this coaching journey and learn these words are so, so powerful to you. I mean, to me, what, I, I guess I was, I would ask like, wh what kind of person needs a coach? Like, does everybody need a coach? Mm -hmm. um, and why is it worth the investment? One breakthrough can change your life. You know, if you realize that you're doing something that doesn't serve you, you've just saved yourself your entire life because you was about to do something that wasn't going to fulfill you, you know? Mm. When you're on that climb and that chase for something, you feel like you're on the right path, even though it might not actually get you the outcome you're looking for. So someone could spend the next 20 years building a career thinking it's what they want, get there and go, shit, that didn't give me what I needed. Yeah. You know, so if someone can, you know, tell you, help you find that out before it's too late, I mean, how much is that worth? Priceless. And that's just one of the things of coaching. It could also help you level up, remove what doesn't serve you, break down that, you know, self-doubt, you know, build your confidence, increase motivation, figure out what you want from life, what your mission is, your purpose, create plans, be held accountable. You know, it's, it's also like removing what doesn't serve you and what you don't want about yourself. You know, of course, coaching can level you up. It can help you move forward, achieve goals. But sometimes there's things that are stopping people from feeling happy. You know, they, they might be happy, but they don't have that self-love. Or they don't believe in themselves or you know they 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 have this inability to connect you know if you can help people uncover what's what's causing that break it down and rebuild it in a more empowering belief that's going to serve them then you're creating this different reality for a person and after that their choices will always be different so the effect that you create within them now is going to change every decision they ever make for the rest of their life and the 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 compounding effect of that is something that you can't even quantify in any sort of money I, I I can't even imagine the kind of breakthroughs that you've seen. Like, what is there any like breakthrough you've seen like that just blew your mind? Like, whoa! Dude, they're all they're they all like that because because they're all individual. And sometimes a breakthrough can be so small to to looking at it. It does it does It's not all these. Oh, I want to be an actor, for example. You know, it's not all those those ones. Sometimes it's like, shit, it's not my fault. Like, and that it's not that my fault. yeah, it's not That's my fault. Sentence. Like it's. Ah, oh, this whole time I've been blaming myself and I've been feeling guilty for, for this when actually I hadn't done anything wrong. And it's like that changes the way that someone feels for the rest of their life. And those breakthroughs, you know, might on the surface might not seem so significant in terms of the tangible things that they've been able to create as a result. Because I think that most people, when they look at results, they're thinking of money or like a different place in their life or their life to look better on the surface. But actually shifting the way somebody thinks or feels are the, the biggest shifts that you can ever get. And those might not be able to be so explainable yeah. if I was to explain them, but to that individual, yeah. it shifted everything. It's their entire world. Okay, so, whoa. <laughs>
Ooh, you coaching me now. So let's talk. Let's, speaking of coaching me now, let's talk about coaching coaches. So mm -hmm. you're at a point in your career. You move fast, man. You went mm -hmm. from jail mm -hmm. to eight months later, six figures to... Well, it wasn't quite eight months after jail. I, I, I did a lot of personal development. Like I was doing three drug and alcohol meetings every day for like three months. Oh, yeah. I was like intensive, immersive within like rehab. Then I went back to college. And I went back to university actually, but I left after three months because I was like, actually, this isn't actually serving me. So I did a lot of work on myself and then I started the business. So I, I got myself to the best possible place I could be. And that's the key, you know, work on yourself and you'll find that everything external in your life will fall into place really quickly. You know, I actually tried to build a business when I was a drug addict, when I was 21 years old and I actually bought a bouncy castle and renting them out. Mm -hmm. I had this entrepreneurial flair, but I just sabotaged it and ended up back in jail because I wasn't in the right place. It doesn't matter how much strategy or drive or entrepreneurial ability I had. If I wasn't in the best possible place, it was never going to work. So I worked on myself intensively. And I had to really like strip it back to everything. Like I said, I was on welfare, I was going to drug and alcohol meetings. And then once I was like, I feel like I'm in a good place to do it. If, when you start, you start sprinting forward because there's nothing holding you back anymore. It's like everyone's trying to run a race with their, with their shoes tied. But if you just take the time to unshy, untie your shoes, it's far easier, you know? Um, and yeah. There you go. <laughs> so... Yeah, so in terms of where I progressed from that, I started coaching people. I become fully booked. I started this group coaching and accountability program and membership area, fully booked. Then I had these other coaches coming to me and saying, Lewis, how did you do it? And I said, oh, you just do this, this, and this. You're doing that, right? And they was like, no. I was like, oh, okay. I'll show you if you like. And then I just do it enough that I was like, okay, I can't keep on helping people. This is a lot of my time. I'm not coaching people anymore, so I'm going to have to start a business for it to control the demand. And then I started helping people with that. And then they were saying to me, oh, but, oh, I need a website, a brand and things like that. And I started creating the digital assets or getting a team to do it. And then I realized that I was serving coaches and also coaches would just had just as many barriers and blocks as any other people. People feel that, you know, coaches, are these well put together, but they're, you know, people that don't have any problems in their life, but they're just normal people with the same sets of, you know, doubt and fear, you know, that everybody else has. So they just, they, they, if they want to level up, if they want to like increase their prices, if they want to put themselves out there, if they want to overcome that fear of you know, perfectionism or rejection or the, you know, the, the fear of selling to people, they're just as many barriers. So I started coaching those people and then it's just evolved through time. And now you know, I, I partnered up with a business partner mm -hmm. and he was an offline uh, coaching trainer in coaching NLP. We came together, I, did, uh, I became a senior accredited coach and then we started training coaches. So we, we now qualify and accredit other coaches, so we create coaches. And that's what I love, because we take ordinary people mm -hmm. and give them the extraordinary tools. We're like, ah, so you feel a little bit dissatisfied with life. You know, you know there's something more. You know you want to help people, and what you're currently giving yourself is not what you truly desire. How about helping people, making a difference, traveling the world at the same time? Uh, it's a no-brainer. And then we create those coaches, and then we help them build the business. You know, so it's an end-to-end -end solution. We're not just churning out certificates. We're like, ah, this is what we did to develop our mindset. This is what we did to like, you know, you find the most powerful tools and techniques and coaching frameworks that are available. And here's what we did to actually go out and build the business. And we'll take you from your nine to five job into, you know, a coach that travels the world, makes a difference and makes money at the same time. I mean, this is what you're ultimately doing with me. I mean, I'm <laughs> over here like, when you put it like that, I'm a coach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah and it's, it's um, I'm so happy to have you on here. Um, <clears throat> And it's interesting, it's interesting to see how you took your same addictive personality mm. and just applied it 
to some good in the world yeah. and you're addicted to allowing people to have freedom mm -hmm. and helping people and making change man I love it I for me you know this is my first step into this into this arena you know I'm I'm doing so many things to to grow so I'm the kind of guy like if I don't just jump in mm -hmm. I'm not gonna do it so I did that with everything from photography, everything from my YouTube channel to this podcast. I was like, come over this morning, let's mm -hmm. do it here. And um, what does that what does that look like for a lot of people? Are they like what's kind of like the resistance to becoming a coach or getting a coach or mm -hmm. coaching a coach? Like what kind of resistance do you do you come up against? Not feeling like they have enough knowledge you know it's ability to help people but the thing is like you share your personal experiences for a way of identification and sharing like that common ground that you understand where they're at but you're not there to actually give advice if you give advice you're actually disempowering that individual because you're giving them your solution Ooh. but they're in their individual you know they, they are the only people that have their, their solution to their problem so you only need to learn the questions if you learn the right frameworks tools and techniques you never need to know a thing because it's them that has to find the answer. Oh. So if you think you don't have enough so knowledge, <laughs> yeah, you facilitate them. They coach them themselves. Yeah, you're asking the questions, but they're digging around in their mind and finding the answers. And those answers are there, but they just might not be consciously aware of them. So you're there to help create the change. Well, you're, help you're there to help them create the change within their self. Uh, so you don't need the knowledge. You don't need the experience either, because you can just help somebody that's one step behind you. Like, when I was in those drug and alcohol meetings, I was telling you the other day, I was in there for like two weeks and some guy came up to me and was like, oh, I'm new, you know, can you help me? I was thinking, you know, what the fuck am I going to do to help you? I've just been in two weeks, I'm a drug addict as well, you know? And, um, and then I thought, oh, all right, okay, you can get a tea over there. There's a cigarette break, in, you know, halfway through and there's some, some leaflets over there. I was like, oh, shit, I've been able to help that person. Yeah. Because you only need to help somebody that's one step behind you. You don't need to be, you know, coaching Tony Robbins next week. Yes, you know, yes. and you'll be absolutely blown away by the amount of skills and experiences and talents and wisdoms and personality traits that each individual has that are completely unique to them. Like all these different sort of elements bring them, you know, come together and create this completely unique person that nobody else has got. Start with sharing those things with people and then use the next steps as like further knowledge and wisdom to share with those higher caliber of clients later on down the line. But Everybody is ready right now to help start, somebody. Start from where you are. Start mm -hmm. as who you are. Yeah. And the more authentic you can be, mm -hmm. the better it will be for the Just group. focus on what you've got rather than what you haven't got. That's such a big shift that like, so many people don't. They go, yeah, but I haven't got this or I'm not that yeah. or I'm not as good compared to this person. It's like, okay, yeah, tell me what you do have. You know, focus on those things and use those things. Yeah, yeah. Because at the time, you know, I was a coach and I was literally on welfare and I was like, you know, going to drug and alcohol. When I look back to where I was then, I felt in myself but actually I was like a mess on the outside I'm surprised people even wanted to work with me but it, you know I had so much I had so much available to me yeah. and I was just prepared to share it so if you can yeah, share it with others you'll, you'll find that you'll offer value to people, people. through the value they'll, they'll get results that will build confidence in you that will create more experience that will create the ability to go out and want to do more of it and then after that you'll create more experience more results more confidence and things will just become easier and easier and you'll just take those steps and steps and steps and I've gone from obviously you know, you know welfare, welfare 
help you know, yeah, cycle into my drug and alcohol meetings, giving someone a little bit of advice about where the tea station is, to now you know changing tens of thousands of people's lives living in Bali. And it's like that only happened in a few years because I was prepared to start in the first place. Yeah, it, that's so it's so impactful because it took so many people to tell me, "Oh, you're a coach. You should be a coach." Mm. I'm even getting text messages now from a guy that was like, "Oh, you should be a coach." And I haven't even met the guy, and it's about giving myself that permission mm. and. I hope everybody that's listening is thinking about ways they can give themselves permission and whatever they want to do. It doesn't have to be coaching, it doesn't have to be being a movie star or whatever. Just give yourself that permission. Um, so speaking of permission, because we could talk forever, but we're going to make this at least under an hour. I wanted to talk about the journey now. So you moved, you've been here in Bali for a while. We're all here because of a you know, little pandemic, but we also love being here. Uh, what, what are some things, things you're doing for your own personal development? Because mm -hmm. we've talked, and I'm like, every day you're doing this much uh, modality and something else, and you're taking this class, and you're, so you're still learning yourself. You're still being coached What's some things you got coming up, man? Well, I excessively worked on my mindset because I was, you know, I got quite masculine energy where I was, I thought that was pretty much where it was at, you know, and I sort of dismissed more emotional and more spiritual aspects thinking that they're nice to have, but like, I just want to be able to think and do and say and be and, you know, and, and, that, and that was what was going to create a better life. And I thought if by creating a better life, you know, then I'll be happy. But, you know, those things do bring a certain element of joy to your life, but it's, it's not the be on end all, you know. And, and I've started, started to shift my focus because I'm like, okay, I feel like I've nailed the mindset piece. Yeah. yeah. You know, I can be as disciplined, as motivated, and as creative, and as, you know, strategic and as logical as I need to be at any time. However, there's like more work to do within myself. So I was like, how can I go from my head to my heart? And how can I start like connecting more with who I am and feeling more? and things like that and yeah I've just been looking at different ways of doing that all these things in Bali like breath work for example which blew my mind I thought it was going to be lying on the table and breathing and feeling like quite chill but instead of you bring out so much stuff in breath work crying like a baby on there you be high like you did a drug I know that's what I liked about it I just take this breath yeah I should, they should bring that into rehab. It's like, stop smoking crack, guys. Get on the table and start breathing. It's much cheaper as well. So you're doing breath work. You're opening up another business here. Tell me about that. Well, well, it's, it's a similar, it's the same business. business that even my business partner yesterday said, oh, we're opening business number two. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not business number two, that's business number one. You know, it's a different brand, but it's the same vision, it's the same mission, it's for the same audience, it's for the same objective. It's Cafe Coach, so it's a coffee shop on the face, but, but what it's really is a hub for coaches. And it's gonna be a place for them to connect, a place for them to um, be trained, because we're gonna do training and workshops and things in there, and there just happens to be coffee there. The coffee's gonna bring the coaches in, and then when they're like, give them what they, give them what they, no, yeah, sell them what they want and then give them what they need. So I was like, come in and have some coffee, and I'll sit down, I was like, right, okay, you need to do some NLP now. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so we, I think it's a beautiful place to network, especially here in Bali. If you know you're going to Cafe Coach, you can see like-minded people because there's a you're you're still building community man and i think that is so so important that's what i'm hoping to do with this podcast too like somebody listening there like okay coach speaking of that i want to ask too give me a breath of like all the kind of coaches there can be like oh god give me just give me like confidence fulfillment business lifestyle abundance spirituality social media because it doesn't always have to be like you know the powerful emotive stuff it could be like the more logical stuff 
you know, it could be like, what platforms do you feel that you would best serve your clients? And they go, Instagram, you know? <laughs> it's like, they're like, yeah, shit, you know, Instagram feels like a best, you know, whatever. So there are, is coaching on more logical levels. But yeah, there's everything from like holistic lifestyle to balance to, you know, authenticity. It's pretty much any, yeah. Oh, there's, 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 there's actually everything because you decide. It's not like you have to go to university and take this pathway of this chosen route mm -hmm. and you can go, I have to pick. You just focus on the area you want to focus on and it could be anything. Like, you know, I've seen like sacred sexuality coaches. You know, it's like, I've seen orgasmic energy coaches. You know, it's whatever level that you feel that you want to help people on, you just focus in on that. I, I'm so glad you said that because I want everybody to know that they, they, they have a coach inside of them. Mm. They have, everybody has a coach. I'm a coach coach, coach, coach. This has been amazing, man. I, you know, this is a beautiful Friday here in Bali, so I want to let you, you go and I need to go too. I'm making a move. But uh, I got to ask a, a few questions. Before we go, I try to ask all my guests. First of all, what's your sign? You know, people worry about this astrology thing. What's your What's your birthday? I'm a Taurus, but do you know what? I'll just put <laughs> put my hands up and say, I don't. I haven't looked into that stuff. You know, it's surely, You know, it's like there's there's a lot to learn. You know, I'm like, well, I just found breath work, and I want me to do astrology. Like, hold on a minute. I was in prison a little while ago. Give me some time. Because uh, they ask you what's your sign. Everybody, okay, what's your rising sign? What's your moon sign? You're like, wait. No way. No, no idea. You have to tell me. <laughs> okay. And do you have a book that changed your life at all? For me, it was the drug and alcohol meeting books, like AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, because that was the stage I was in, you know. I would always recommend people start with the biggest problem that's holding them back. You know, don't try and, like, become a millionaire before you've got a drug and alcohol addiction, yeah. you know. And for me, like, addiction was a big part of me, and I was trying to fill this void. I was, you know, trying to numb the pain that I felt, and nothing was going to happen until I fixed that. So I read endless drug and alcohol be uh, meeting books, and those are the things that really changed my life. So it's a little bit different than normal answers, but... Yeah, I got a lot of things from those sort of 12-step philosophy type experiences of people that I related to personally. Oh, wow, man. And the last thing we're going to do is going to play a little game. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to play a little, uh, uh, well, I don't forget the name of this thing. <laughs> oh, word association. So I'm going to say a word, and you just say the first word that comes to your head. Okay. All right. Coconut. Tree. <laughs> Yoga. Matt. Peace. Love. <laughs> Bali. Vibes. <laughs> Lifestyle. Coach. Ooh. <laughs> coach. Yeah. No, coach. Cafe. <laughs> and finally, kitten. Love. I've just oh, got myself a kitten yeah, recently. Kitten. Oh, that's, that kitten's changed my life as well. There's so many parts to journeys, and that kitten's been a nice little piece of it as well. Yes, man. Luna, right? Yeah, Luna. There's one, one thing I want to quickly share. You mentioned a minute ago about permission, and there's something so, so powerful about public declaration. Now, this isn't coaching because obviously it's always about empowering the person to make the choices for themselves, but at the same time, accountability and empowering somebody, put them in a situation where they're able to make a choice and a decision and a public declaration to the world can be very, very powerful. So you said, I'm like stepping into this coaching world and I'm like thinking about it and I'm hoping that I can build a community. Why don't you tell your listeners right now exactly what you're going to be doing. Y'all, I am being coached <laughs> right now on my own show. Detroit, <laughs> Detroit Coachra, that's my new name. So just tell we're us coaching. about... So yes, this is Elton Anderson, <laughs> a.k.a. Detroit Chopra. And yes, I am a coach. <laughs> I am 
Yes. Your transformational coach. Oh, We're yes. We're working on the title, but I'm going to help y'all out. Yes. Uh, I got a lot of st- uh, exciting stuff coming, so um, thank you for this, man. Louis, <laughs> the man with three names, man. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate this. This will not be the last time you're on here because we're going to have, uh, as I go on my journey, uh, you'll be helping me out, and I want to share more because there's so much more to talk about. And I know my listeners are going to love this episode. I know that I love having you on, man. And I just want to say, say thank you, man. Thank you for the invite. I mean, yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. And I can't wait to see the podcast develop and the community and the, the progression in you. Because, yeah, you're going to smash it. You're, like you said, you're already coaching. You've already got that audience. You've already got that value inside you. You just step into that identity and that public declaration and owning it like you've done today. And I think now is where the magic's going to happen. And I'm looking magic forward to watching it. Where can people find you before we go? Um, I've got a podcast as well, so you can come and listen to that, the Coaching Masters podcast, or um, on Instagram, Lewis Raymond Taylor. Lewis Raymond Taylor. All right, brother, thank you so much, man. This is awesome. Thank you.